mic check. Yeah, we're good. So um, we've arrived at the conclusion rather sooner than expected. So um, I was going to be here for uh, one last Sabbath, but uh, given new developments, I brought my flight forward. And, um, you know, I would uh, appreciate prayers, you know, for God to to keep that door open. It's, um, it's tough. So um, if you don't pray, you might have me back here next week. <laughs> All right? So um, please. <clears throat> um, today I have my friend Ben joining us. Um, ben has been journeying with me for a long time here in Singapore, and uh, happy to see him. It's not a good idea to preach uh, on your last Sabbath. That's not a good idea. So, uh, excuse me. If you thought last week was bad, this week's going to be worse. So, um, you've got a lot to pray for today. Um, now, um, look, uh, last time, always a good time to reminisce. And uh, I thought we'll just review some of the messages that I've shared here from the front. Maybe just jog your memories. Uh, maybe just encourage you, even if you forgot the message, go and listen to it. It's all recorded. Um, I was trying to encourage, I was trying to encourage the, uh, the congregation. So uh, one of the first sermons I preached here was about Andrew. And I don't know if you all can remember about Andrew, Andrew the man. That's what his name means. It just means the man, you know. But he was just the man, you know, just everyday, ordinary Andrew, just, you know, Andrew, the man. But by faith, he became Andrew the man. You know, he was the man. I mean, he went out and he witnessed and he, he brought people to Jesus. Andrew the man. You know, they say he, um, church tradition tells us he journeyed up to the Ukraine from Israel, planting churches. Andrew the man. And how did Andrew start? Just by bringing people to Jesus. He would just say, come, come and see, come and see. And uh, today, um, we have my friend Selvi here. She, she invited herself to church. I, I didn't really. But today she's here, and she's inviting people to church. She's inviting people to our Bible study. And, um, you know, I guess her name is Andrea, because she's the, the woman. You know, she, she's getting it done. So Andrew, remember Andrew, remember Nicodemus. It means victorious among the people, but uh, he was socially victorious, but he was spiritually defeated. And uh, in the end, when Jesus Christ dies on that cross, Nicodemus, he overcomes his fear of society, and he surrenders to Christ, and he lives for Christ. He's finally spiritually victorious through Christ. How many of you are still reluctant to invite someone to your church because you're socially insecure. Just invite them. Just say, come and see. Invite them to a Bible study. Open the Bible. Pray with them. You know, Selvi and I, I would feel awkward about it, but, you know, we'd go for a lunch as colleagues. And I'd say, look, I usually pray before I eat. And I started to pray for us. And that opened the door. Please, be victorious in Christ. Share the word. 
Simon the leper was a sermon I felt that preached very heavily at SDA. Very harsh. You know, Simon, a Pharisee, but a hypocrite. Healed of physical leprosy, but the leprosy of hypocrisy was still in his heart. And I found in many SDA churches that we have many Simons struggling with the leprosy of the heart. But for Simon, there was salvation, and there can be for all of us, no matter what we've done, no matter how much hypocrisy we've had in our lives. There was salvation for Simon. There can be salvation for you. There was Gideon. Gideon, the, uh, the, the warrior, worry, I worry, the warrior in tribulation. Gideon who becomes the warrior in faith, the warrior as in fight, the good fight of faith. But then in the time of prosperity and peace, Gideon was the weakling. Gideon was the weakling. And the question is, where are we today in our personal journeys with Christ? Are we the weakling? Are we worrying? Or are we the warrior in faith? Are we warring? Warring against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Are we warring? Are we the warriors? That was Gideon's question. So that's just trying to give you a brief summary of some of the messages we've shared to encourage you to go back if you missed maybe the essence of the message. But for today, we're going to page to Jacob and Esau. So we've already seen the scripture reading Jacob and Esau. So why don't you open your Bibles in Genesis 25, verse 19 and 20. Genesis 25, 19 and 20. And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Paddan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. So Isaac was 40 years old. 40 years in the Bible symbolizes a generation. It signifies the completion of a specific time period. Isaac marries Rebekah at 40. Now, by coincidence, I turned 40 this year. Um, some of you are probably saying only 40. Yes, the years in Singapore have been kind. I came, I arrived here with much less gray than I leave here. Yeah, but um, I can't imagine having to go through the effort of finding and marrying a wife when you're 40. I mean, I just don't know where that energy comes from. I mean, wife hunting is a young man's sport. So uh, all of those who are procrastinating and postponing, I want to tell you, uh, you know, the years, they, they, they go on. Uh, it's best to get in the game early. But I do know of a man, who, uh, a brave man, who married in his 40s. And that brave man is my father-in-law. And um, I'm glad he did, because the fruit of that marriage gave me my wife. But uh, now that I know what it feels like to be 40, and what it feels like to have kids. I'm just asking myself, what was he thinking? You know, I mean, the first marriage, you can blame to ignorance. The second marriage, I mean, he's brave. He's brave. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful for what he's done for me. So uh, carrying on in Genesis 25, verse 21, Isaac entreats the Lord for his wife because she's barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. 
wonderful. We skip to verse 26. And Isaac was three score. Now, score is 20 years, so three score is 60 years. So Isaac was 60 years old when she bare them. So Isaac was 40 years old when they got married. And then he's 60 years old when he bears when she bears the two sons. So um, Rebecca was barren for 20 years. She was barren for 20 years. So verse 22, And the children struggled within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. Now here we find biblical evidence. Biblical evidence that you can never satisfy a wife. First she complains about being barren. All right? I'm barren, you're going to give me a child, what's, you know, she's complaining about being barren. Now, now she's pregnant, now she's complaining, right? First complaining about being barren, now she's pregnant and is still complaining. So I want to say, so typical. Yeah, so typical. In my, in my years of marriage, I've learned this is quite typical. But also, if Rebecca was here, she would say, well, she would explain, it's typical of men to always overdo it, you know? She wanted to have a child. She, wanted, she was barren. She wanted to have a child. She never said she wanted to have two and have them all at once, right? So it's just typical. Typical women complain. You can never satisfy them. Men, they're always overdoing it. They're either not doing it or they're overdoing it. But there's never any balance. And that, that sums up the struggles of marriage for you. And that's why I say, you know, uh, maybe, maybe start the journey while you're young. But in any case, back to, uh, to Isaac and Rebecca. They're teaching us a lot about marriage here. So uh, verse 23, And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over hairy like a garment, and they called his name Esau. Um, Esau, his name conveys a sense of, of feeling of texture when touched. So, you know, he was covered in hair. He was a bit hairy and red. Esau. Yeah, the ginger child of the family. You know, so, Esau. Sorry for any gingers out there. I mean. uh, verse 26. And after that came out his brother, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Jacob, Jacob literally means heel catcher. Jacob, heel catcher. Now, I'm, I'm reading this in the Bible here, and I'm asking myself, you know, Isaac and Rebecca are coming across as a bit uh, ill-prepared, you know, for naming these children. Um, you've waited 20 years for your children, and none of these names seem to be carefully selected in advance. I mean, it's just like some random observation. Okay, this one's a bit hairy. Let's call him Esau. And this one's grabbing the heel. Let's call him heel catcher. How many of you have shown up after 20 years that unprepared for a test? I mean, you know, my wife, she's fussing about baby names. I mean, she's running through the lists. And we've got to pick a name that works in both languages, English and Afrikaans. Uh, appease grandparents. Um, you know, screen it with the family, check for any uh, unfortunate uh, similarities or rhyming or anything that could expose the child to mocking. It's, it's, it's a, you know, and, and I mean, she's investing the time 
Uh, I mean, I sometimes wish she would save me some of the uh, the the analysis, but you know, she's but but no, no, Jacob, sorry, uh, Rebecca and Isaac, just you know, at the time we'll know. At the time we'll know. The baby's born. Yeah, I've got the name. So uh, I would not recommend this strategy. You know, I think uh, uh, you, you and your wife might have a serious disagreement if you show up and say, well, we'll name it whatever, you know, we'll see. We'll see when we get there. So, um, yeah, so Isaac and Rebecca, we'll see. They're not model parents as we journey further today. So uh, please, uh, just that's one uh, caution I need to uh, pronounce over the sermon. These are not model parents, all right? So verse 27 and 28, the boys grew, Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And as I said, these aren't model parents, right? Here we need to start treading very carefully. The events we discuss today, they will not be the source of perfect moral examples, we are extracting from admittedly imperfect examples of behavior, but we are extracting the enduring values and principles that equip us with spiritual insight. So don't, don't think I'm holding up Isaac and Rebecca as, as, as perfect parents, but I'm trying to read what else the Bible is telling us out of these imperfect examples. Our focus will thus be on the symbolism but it comes with a risk that the symbol is being conveyed by imperfect people. So please, just don't promote the imperfection, but, but you know, focus on what the Bible is actually trying to tell us while faithfully recording the history of these people. Now, this disclaimer definitely applies to Isaac and Rebecca's parenting. I don't think this was wise parenting. Parents should always love their children equally. We see that Isaac and Rebekah's unequal love for their children leads to Jacob displaying the same behavior of favoritism with his wives and his children. Parents, love your children, each one equally. We may think of uh, handy excuses in terms of personality and shared interests, but your children are yours. They are your duty. You are to love them. Love them equally. Displaying varied love amongst your children sows the seeds of discontent. The discontent will ripen in contempt and ultimately bring a harvest of resentment. Love your children equally. But now we come to the first significant matter for today's sermon. Uh, verse 29 in Genesis 25. And Jacob sawed pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. And therefore was his name called Edom. So Esau, the great hunter, he has suffered a dry spell. Uh, he found no prey to hunt. He is hungry. And he is a bit like me in my younger years. All right. Uh, in my younger years... I was proud of being a meat eater. You know, I come from Namibia. In Namibia, there's a whole lot of space there. And in that space, I always say come to Namibia, there's lots of parking available. It's a, it's a great country, there's a lot of space, and there's lots of antelope that roam that space. And uh, if you know the right farmers, you can just go and hunt for free. Yeah, just come and shoot, shoot an antelope. And that's how I grew up, hunting, skin your own meat, 
good meat. I mean, this is the best, healthiest, free-range, non-GMO kosher meat right out of nature's pantry, and that's how I grew up. Is it to blame for, you know, certain, I don't know, but all I can say is good, healthy meat. So I was a big meat eater, but then I moved to South Africa, and, you know, their Adventism is a bit more uh, strong and secure and prevalent, and, uh, you know, at university, I get invited to the church potluck. There's, there's, no, there's no meat. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, there's lentils. And what I found is, you know, my pride of being a meat eater, you know, I can swallow that pride quite well if I know I'm chasing it down with some good-tasting lentils. And, and it seems here Esau and I, we had that in common because Esau was also ready to forget that he's the hunter, the meat eater. He's going to have some of this... Uh, the, this uh, pottage that uh, Jacob had sod. So um, Jacob then, uh, in verse 31, he gets a bright idea, and he says, sell me this day thy birthright. Now, this is unfortunate. Jacob is taking advantage of Esau. Esau is enduring a spell of misfortune, and Jacob is exploiting this as an opportunity to extort the birthright seeking to profit from his own brother's misfortune. Now, this is, this is a difficult Bible experience to review. Neither of these brothers are going to be impressing us morally today. Verse 32, Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright be to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day, and he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So Esau exaggerates the severity of his current state, and he despises his birthright. Esau wasn't a tactician. He wasn't strategic. He was impulsive. He wanted to satisfy his immediate needs, and in a moment it was gone. Esau. Now, what was this birthright? The birthright was the right of the firstborn. Financially, it meant that he would receive the double portion. So, however many sons you have, plus one, divide the estate according to that number, and then the firstborn gets the double portion. So, in this household, Esau was going to get two-thirds of Isaac's estate upon Isaac's demise, and Jacob only a third. But he now sold. He sold that double portion. So financially, this was not a good trade. And it's possibly the most expensive meal ever sold. But socially, that's financially. Socially, along with this financial blessing would also come the leadership of the family. So Esau would be the family patriarch when Isaac came to his end. He would have the social and familial status as the leader. And this all Esau traded for a meal. Just a happy meal you know, at the McDonald's drive-thru, which none of you ever frequent, right? Just your birthright. Two-thirds of your dad's inheritance. Just What a sad tale. Now let us look at a few lessons for us. First, appetite. Appetite. How often do we, in a moment, succumb to appetite? 
be it appetite for food, for drink, for entertainment, for gratification, for sensuality, in a moment succumb to a temptation of appetite and we sell our spiritual birthright cheaply. Are we being the Esau of our own story? In a moment, for a meal, for a thrill. Appetite. The next thought is contempt. The Bible says that Esau had contempt for. Esau despised his birthright. Do we despise our spiritual birthright? This great gift that our Heavenly Father has given us, this gift of salvation, the riches of heaven poured into Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ given as a gift to this fallen world, the gift of salvation. Do we despise or have contempt for our birthright, the gift of salvation? Are we trading eternity for what is temporary? Trading salvation for gratification. That is the question that Esau poses to us. How many of us are guilty of being an Esau in regards to our birthright? Now to conclude on the birthright, Esau was the rightful heir. Esau was the firstborn. Esau despised his birthright. Esau sold his eternal birthright for temporary relief. Esau sold his birthright cheaply. Now the next matter for us to study, so the birthright is the first. The next matter we find in Genesis 27. It is the blessing. The birthright in Genesis 25, the blessing in Genesis 27. Now I don't know if Isaac knew that Esau had sold his birthright. Knowing Jacob, probably he went around bragging that he's now got the birthright. I don't know. Bible doesn't say. But Isaac, he's steadfast. He's going to bless his son Esau. So what is this blessing? What is this blessing? Well, we see the blessing at the start, at creation, when God blesses Adam and Eve. God then also blesses Noah. We see Noah blessing his son Shem. God blesses Abraham. To me, it seems that you know, the blessing is, a, uh, is spiritual in nature. It is that spiritual gift. It seems that God blesses His chosen. God blesses His people. And they then pass this blessing on within their families as a spiritual treasure. This is the blessing. So the birthright was financial and social, but the blessing is spiritual. Now, in regards to the blessing... We will now again deal with a very difficult passage in the Bible. So again, excuse the moral imperfection of the characters in this chapter. But let's see what we can learn in regards to spiritual truths. So Genesis 27, I'll start reading in verse 1. It came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called his son Esau and said unto him, My son. And his son said, Behold, here am I. He said, Behold now, I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore I pray, take thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field and take me some venison. 
and make me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. So Isaac senses that uh, his life may be drawing to a close, and he wants to bestow his blessing upon his firstborn, his preferred son, Esau. But in verse 6 we read that Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat, that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord, before my death. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. So Rebekah instigates that Jacob act quickly to secure the blessing through deception. And we're going to look at some very flawed people who were making some rash decisions. They were acting in a dishonest manner. But despite this, we will be able to draw parallels between their actions and see that this is in fact an allegory conveying salvation truth. Verse 11, Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man. I mean, he's called Esau. I mean, you, you diagnosed him correctly at birth. He's a hairy man, Esau. I am a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse. My son, only obey my voice, and fetch me then. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with, were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands and upon his neck, and she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hands of her son Jacob. Now, look, uh, admittedly, everyone who reads this thinks how hairy was Esau. I mean, so it's always a tough uh, mental image, but he was hairy, okay? I mean, Bible doesn't hide that. So Jacob and his mother, Rebekah, they work quickly to cover Jacob in such a way that he can uh, resemble Esau to someone whose uh, senses are a bit compromised by this time, by age. And in this manner, they successfully deceive Isaac. I, you know, to save you all, I won't read the whole chapter. Verse 26, we read that uh, his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and he kissed him and he smelled the smell of his raiment and he blessed him. So Jacob is blessed instead of Esau. Now this story as it is, not a story for moral instruction. What they did was wrong. They should not have deceived Isaac in his age. It is wrong. But allegorically, symbolically, this story teaches us some precious lessons. First, Jacob, in order to resemble the firstborn, he had to wear the raiment of the firstborn. Jacob had to wear the raiment of the firstborn. Second, Jacob, in order to resemble the firstborn, he had to be covered by the lamb. He had to be covered by the lamb. Now, when we, 
as repentant sinners approach our Heavenly Father, we are to resemble the firstborn. Now, who is the firstborn? Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Jesus is the firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn, and when we approach our Heavenly Father, we must resemble the firstborn. We must wear His raiment. We must wear His raiment. Revelation 3.5 says that he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. Jesus will give us white raiment to wear, so we resemble the firstborn. Second point is we must be covered by the Lamb. Who is the Lamb? John 1.29, the next day John the Baptist, seeing Jesus, said, Behold the Lamb of God. God the Father will investigate us when we approach Him. He will investigate, and when He finds us to be like His firstborn, wearing the raiment and covered by the Lamb, then we will receive the blessing of the firstborn. But if we are there in our own raiment, then we have a problem. Revelation 3.4 says, that we would be like those who have defiled their garments. Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. If we are there in our own raiment, we will not receive that blessing. But if we are there in the raiment of the firstborn, covered by the Lamb, then our Heavenly Father can give us the blessing. Continuing. Isaac was deceived. Isaac was deceived. Our Heavenly Father will not be deceived. Isaac heard the voice of Jacob, but he smelled and felt like Esau. So Isaac was deceived. Isaac had to overrule the doubt of his sense of hearing on the basis of the evidence of smell and touch. So Isaac had to, had to make that decision. God the Heavenly Father is not deceived. God the Father, even though He knows we are not the firstborn, He chooses to perceive us as the firstborn. It's not that God is deceived, but God chooses to overrule what He knows and He perceives us as His Son, the firstborn. When we are covered by the blood and the robes of His Son, Jesus, when the Father inspects us, inspects us, then God chooses to be led by His senses. He doesn't go by what He knows, but He chooses to see us as His Son, covered by the Lamb. Furthermore, Esau and Jacob could not share this blessing. Isaac had only this blessing to give, and thus he gave it to this single son. But God the Father wants to give the blessing to all of his children. God wants to give the blessing to all of his children who wear the raiment of the Son and are covered by the Lamb. God the Father, in blessing the children, does not rob his firstborn of anything. He has abundant blessing to give. No one is excluded. If you are just covered by the raiment of the sun, and if you are covered by the lamb. Now to bring this full circle, 
to close out the matter of the birthright and the blessing. We notice how the story of Esau and Jacob, it becomes an allegory for Israel itself, Israel, the nation of Israel. It runs sort of counterintuitively. You see, Esau was the firstborn, but Jacob gets the blessing and the birthright of the firstborn. But Jacob then, he is renamed Israel. And Genesis 32, 28 tells us that thy name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. So Jacob receives the blessing and he receives the birthright. And he is now going from Jacob. He's renamed to Israel. Israel becomes a nation. You know this nation, Israel? In Exodus 4.22, the Lord says, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So Jacob, he got the birthright, he got the blessing. Jacob became Israel. Israel is God's firstborn. It's his nation, the nation of Israel. It's his firstborn. But we find that this firstborn, this Israel, this nation of God, we find them later that they become the Esau of their own story. At a time when they were suffering some temporary trial, they despised their birthright. They sold their birthright. They sold their eternal peace for temporary relief when Israel, who by this time was now the Jews, the remnant of Israel, when these Jews cried unto Pilate at the trial of Jesus, they said, away with him, away with Jesus, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said unto them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. It was this act, rejecting their birthright, Israel rejecting their birthright, which led to Jesus Christ being crucified and it led to the formation of the church era. This is when the Gentiles received the blessing of Abraham. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Israel were the Esau of their own story. They rejected their birthright. They rejected the blessing. And in so doing, the blessing of Abraham came upon the Gentiles. And for us, we should be saying, Amen. The blessing of Abraham came upon us. We now are spiritual Israel. You're making me work really hard. I'm trying to sell you that you are those Gentiles who have received the blessing of Abraham. I'm going to spell it out a bit more and then maybe someone will say, Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. That's very difficult. And... Here we find that the nation of Israel fades from scriptural and spiritual significance. And the era of the church, which spans all nations, now takes prominence. This is the establishment of the church era. We do not read the word church in the Bible until Matthew 16, 15. When Jesus said unto the disciples, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven.
And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, this rock not being Peter, but this rock being the statement that thou art Jesus Christ the Messiah. That is the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. This is where the word church enters the Bible. Upon this rock, upon this statement that Jesus Christ is our Messiah. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The nation of Israel, despite carrying the name of Israel, which was the name of Jacob, they repeated Esau's mistake. They sold their birthright. They despised their birthright. They forfeited the blessing. And they were replaced by the church as God's vehicle of salvation in this world. That was the mistake of Esau. That was the mistake of Israel. And the question is, will that be your mistake too? Are you despising your birthright? Or will you join the church, the church which has replaced Israel as God's firstborn? Join the church who has Jesus Christ as the head and Jesus Christ as the rock. Jesus, the firstborn of God. Join the church and be covered by the Lamb to resemble the firstborn once the Father starts to inspect you. Join the church and be covered by the raiment of the firstborn so you will be able to pass the inspection. Join the church, the true church. Do not despise the birthright. Join to, remain in, and cling to the true church, the bride of Christ. May the Lord bless you all. Amen. Even though we cannot sing today as a congregation, I'd like to invite everyone to stand as we as we sing the closing song together. Living my own, gladly 
shall I go My life of scarlet My sin and woe Cover with His light Whiter than snow Reconciled by His death for my sin Justified by His life pure and clean Sanctified by hope Obeying His word, glorified when returneth my Lord. Covered with His light, whiter than snow, fullness of His life, then shall I know. My life of scarlet, my sin and woe, covered with His light. Let's close our eyes again. Dear Lord, you've done it again. As you used Isaac and Rebecca, people who were compromised by sin, who were imperfect models of your perfect message, Despite their imperfection, you could bring a message, Lord Jesus, a message of instruction to show us your more perfect way, to instruct us in the way of salvation. Dear Lord, and so too I stand here as an instrument, unworthy Lord, but I pray that the message will prevail, that it will work in the hearts of your people here. Lord Jesus, that I can leave here in good conscience, knowing that your people here have heard the message, that their hearts will respond and that they will carry forth the torch of truth in this city, this country, that I have grown to love as own, Lord. Amen.